All right. So, uh, you know, the things that we hear so much uh, these days is about numbers and or we should be hearing about numbers. One of the very odd things about COVID and the response to it is that nobody, well, very few people actually seem to be dealing with numbers and statistics and probabilities. So, for example, the latest and greatest when it comes to the COVID vaccine issue is about whether uh, young kids younger than five, for example, should be getting it. And no one bothers to even ask about why we should be doing that, especially if uh, young kids uh, younger than five are even getting hospitalized or dying from this. And it turns out, uh, don't you know, Ari, that it's a point, it's 0.05% of the millions, uh, you know, approximately 1 million people who died of COVID the entire time. So you're looking at a total of 500. And that's, that's assuming for the sake of discussion that, uh, and these are of the people who actually died. Okay, so, but that's a kind of a, a false number to, to even focus on because what you really should be looking at is uh, if your child, you know, the normal child who's under four, uh, under five rather, gets COVID, what are the chances that he will get uh, hospitalized or even die? And that's much lower than the 0.05% chance, right? So the 0.05 is only of, of the people who did die. So it's a different number. The reason why I bring this all up is that I'm, I'm noticing a manifest failure to even consider numbers and statistics. And I consider myself, you know, a very good statistician. I, that was, for some reason, that came easily to me. I'm very good in the probabilities department. I'm very good in the logic department, as you probably have noticed as well. And I have noticed a, a frightening lack of interest in numbers by our elite betters. Um, perhaps you've noticed that as well, Ari. I, it, it, it's, there's one common theme that I'm seeing, and that people are just not bothering to talk about numbers. So, I mean, COVID is such a great example. It's, it's given us a, a great... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, emblematic point, because people just don't seem to consider the numbers. So, for example, they estimated uh, during the beginning of COVID that in England there would be 500,000 people who will have died by August of 2020. Okay, so they were more or less talking about at that time was about six months. So they were giving it in half a year, a half year's time there'd be 500,000 dead from COVID by August of 2020. And they said in the United States, it would be 2 million, because obviously we have more people in America, uh, 2 million by August of 2020. They were nowhere close to that, nowhere. And uh, by August of 2020, there were approximately 100,000, maybe a little bit more, but that's certainly nowhere close to 2 million. And likewise, I think there was something like 25,000 or 30,000 in England, Again, nowhere close to the estimates, but the estimates were enough to scare the entire world into shutting down. But no one looked back at the numbers and said, wait, you know, the reason why we shut down were based upon faulty predictions. Then um, you have other numbers, of course, that we can talk about, which is that people who died with COVID versus of COVID, you remember that? The latter was at best 6%, meaning the people who actually died of COVID of COVID were 6%. Now, COVID may have pushed uh, others over the edge for whatever manifest disease or condition they may have had, 
So if they were had a you know severe pneumonia or whatever, and then they got COVID, okay, then it pushed them over. But that doesn't mean they died because of COVID. All right. And then you have uh, my favorite number of statistics is, is looking back now, we have more than two years of shutdown to now look back and say, okay, did it help anybody? And the Johns Hopkins study showed the numbers that at best, at best, it reduced the overall mortalities by 0.2%. Okay, so, I mean, numbers, we have to deal, at some point we have to deal with numbers and probabilities and statistics, right? But, but we're making decisions without these things. And it doesn't, it doesn't just apply to COVID. It, it applies to so many other things. Like, and we'll get, we'll get into this, I suppose, uh, it gets into the violence from the BLM riots, um, the whole mes- mostly peaceful discussion, right? I mean, what does mostly peaceful mean? What percentage, right? If, I mean, you could say the same thing about Jeffrey Dahmer and Charles Manson, right? They were mostly peaceful, right? I mean, most of the time they didn't kill people. But does, does that make them good people? They're mostly nice people. Um, anyway, I suppose we can have a podcast about that sometimes uh, next week. And then the transgendered issue, right? We talked about that, let alone anyone who is somehow, um, the, the notion that somehow transgendered people or gay people are, have been ostracized. Uh, these are numbers. Um, then there's numbers of killings by cops, uh, of black people, by white cops, for example. Uh, then you have uh, the numbers involving violence against abortion doctors versus violence against pro-life centers, which we're seeing a lot more of lately. And then the vaccine. Oh, the vaccine. There are numbers associated with that. And there's, we'll talk about the evidence of any efficacy of the vaccine itself. It turns out that only, um, I mean, very few people are, are actually being benefited by the vaccine. We, we can't tell. People are getting the vaccine. Uh, sorry, getting the COVID regardless of the vaccine. They're spreading it regardless of the vaccine. They're getting hospitalized regardless of the vaccine. And they're dying regardless of the vaccine. Uh, and in fact, they appear to be, you're more likely to be dying, this is the Israel study, uh, if you've had the vaccine than if you didn't have the vaccine. But still, by all means, get the vaccine. Uh, and then finally, um, nobody talks about the discussion of the side effects of the vaccine itself, which is a very important aspect. And then what I always say, uh, the four Gs, gambling, guns, God, and girls. And why do I say girls? Well, I don't know, because I like women, I suppose. So, uh, but can we get into that, Ari? I mean, th- th- these are numbers um, that I don't think people care to consider. Statistics well, be damned. I, I think there's kind of two issues. And one of them is what you're saying in the numbers. The other issue that I see, and I'll mention at the risk that it's, both completely off topic and (laughs) potentially an entirely different topic worthy of discussion. But it's something I think we may have covered in other podcasts and discussed both tangentially and directly over the years, which is, is some of the lack of adherence to numeric logic, a one of the rare fundamental flaws of free societies in that, Tom Sowell always points out one of the problems with the American system is that once voters realize they can vote themselves government largesse, they start to vote themselves 
their own money, which may actually not be in their interests, both short and long term. So the same is true right. in yeah. this. In yeah, which I, our think, leaders, I think Thomas, to, sorry, to, to Tocqueville said that. And, to and Tocqueville a, talked a about point. too, but yeah. so did Milton Friedman, so did Walter Williams. A whole line of really clear thinkers made this point, yeah. which is when you live in a political society in which you have elections, unfortunately, for people called politicians, the politicians many times sell bad ideas to the public as if it's in their interest when it's not. Yeah. And yeah, then it true. becomes a, um, you know, like, for instance, the transgender thing. Okay. Uh, there is no logical reason, as we've covered for a couple of years now, for what we're seeing, other than the politics of it. Yes. Yeah, so, but that's what I'm talking about, Ari, is that, uh, you know, if, if people do not even begin to ask the questions regarding the numbers, like the, the whole, you know, wait a minute uh, concept, the attitude of wait a minute, um, let's look at what we're dealing with here. What are the numbers here? I mean, you wouldn't buy a house, for example, without knowing what the price of the house is or what they're asking for, right? You, w- you wouldn't buy a food without knowing, you know, what, what is the ultimate price here? Uh, you know, but these are, these are questions that people don't ask when it comes right. to the, or, uh, or, the side effects or the, or, or the, the deaths of, of, uh, from the vaccine or from otherwise or from any of the things that we've been discussing. And that's the thing. I, I, I agree with you in, 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 whole, in whole part with what you just said, Ari. That's the whole point is that I think these politicians are taking advantage of the fact that people do not ask questions regarding numbers and uh, probabilities. And of so they course. can sell them anything. Have you, have you covered in your books, Atheism Kills, Atheism Destroys? Uh, I think, have you written Atheism Steals yet? Oh, well, you're going to soon enough. And um, Rise way, of yes. the Sex Machines. Yeah. You've covered okay. over and over again that um, without God, our education system is worthless. It really is. And with a worthless education system, either in greater or lesser degree, you wind up with very stupid people. And in contradiction with what you just said, okay, maybe you look at the price of a house before you buy it, but how many people eat food without knowing what's in it? Yeah, that's right. Right? I mean, um, uh, I was at an event (laughs) in which the host (laughs) had Kit Kats on the table for a very good reason. But do you exactly. think people were looking at the ingredients of the Kit Kats before they gave themselves a little delicious snackable within? No, of course not. No. Course now, not. one no. Kit Kat will not kill you, okay? But a million of them will. And yeah. the, a person who, you know, we all know people who eat a ton of Kit Kats and other junk food without ever looking at the label. So my point is people, in, in effect, actually do this all the time. How many people well, take look, medicine... I, 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 you know, yeah, without really I, I knowing. I agree with you. I, I agree so, with you, Ari. And you can even say that about aspirin. You can say yeah, that about a lot of things. So, so but, then we, when we apply it then to a bigger question, a macro issue, how many people voted for, let's just say, the 81 million vote-getting recipient, Joe Biden, without really knowing he was going to destroy the, the uh, energy sector? Right. Well, that's the, the you know, you, we call them low-information voters, but this is a, such a key point is about how people don't even think in terms of numbers. And what the whole point of this podcast is, is to, to tell people, look, you've got to ask yourself the question. And, and it's, it's not even like the Kit Kat example, which I think is a good example. I mean, I, I like it, but it's, it's uh, with Kit Kat, at least we know that, you know, you can't have too much candy because candy is, is, 
you know, not necessarily good for you. It's, it's okay once in a blue moon. Just like having a cigar every once in a while is not going to kill you. But if you have it, you know, five times a day, it's, it's not going to be so great for you. So same idea. Uh, but here we're talking about the vaccine and the COVID thing and the fear of the COVID thing. And if you, ha- you have to ask yourself, uh, you know, what are the chances that if I get COVID that I'm going to be, be in the hospital or die from that? And, you know, same thing for your kid who's five years or younger, or for that matter, 18 years or younger. Uh, you know, look, there's also a possibility, Ari, that you and I could step outside of our houses and uh, be hit by an asteroid. It's possible, right? Yeah. Uh, or possible. meteor or whatever. It's certainly possible. Right. And, but and, and, and you know what? Bill Gates has a vaccine to prevent exactly that. <laughs> a, we need a vaccine for this. The asteroid. Got one. I'm sure was bad. got one. Yes. <laughs> COVID was bad, but as this asteroid business, that's it's coming. Anyway. Right. And by the way, it has broad protection spectrum. So it'll protect you from falling anvils, falling pianos, <laughs> asteroids, and true. anything else Wiley Coyote might order from the Acme catalog. Well, that that that, that other thing uh, that you're talking about is is actually with the next booster. So you gotta get you know, you gotta be specific about that, right? Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, but so, you look, make it, such a good point because okay. Everything has risks, right? You just brought up sort of some ridiculous ones, but they're real. The one day that the dinosaurs stepped outside and sure enough, that asteroid hit them. Okay. So it does happen. That's right. Okay. It can and will and does. But how much do you not live your life? So take the the COVID vaccine. Um, It's got a risk. Now, the way it was sold to us is that if you took the risk of the vaccine, you would have zero risk of acquiring, spreading, or dying of COVID. I call it yeah, something else, but right. I'll use COVID for right now. Now, right. when that turns out to be a lie, people are taking all the risk of the vaccine without any of the benefits sold to them of it. Well, that's one of the things I want to talk about because the no one ever discusses the the consequences or the side effects of the vaccine, you know, unlike what you see on any other prescription pill or drug on on TV where they list it in a very clear language about what you might suffer if you take this particular drug or that particular, uh, you know, treatment. Uh, But when it comes to this vaccine, they, they are silent about it. And these are questions, again, that we should ask, like, what are the risks that I will be blind if I take this vaccine? What are the risks if I go Justin Bieber you know, I, you know, he, he got paralyzed apparently in his face, um, you know, and I hope he recovers quickly. But what are the risks of uh, paralysis? What are the risks of dying of taking this vaccine or, or the heart attacks that you're hearing about from time to time? There's a lot of VAERS information, V-A-E-R-S, uh, that is coming out that's quite alarming. And at the very least, you want to know, OK, well, what, what are the risks of that happening to me? Paralysis uh, or death? These are big issues. Some people are losing their limbs. Now, you may say these are outliers, and they hopefully are. One out of, uh, what, 200,000 people? Fine. But I want to know that. And these are questions that, that at the very least, we should ask. So, uh, And then there are questions about whether or not it affects fertility, especially for girls. So th- these are questions, once again, that we're not asking. And these are easy questions. I think that they're, they're so easy uh, when somebody calls me and offers me a service of, uh, I don't know, gardening my house or, uh, you know, fixing my refrigerator, uh, you know, the, one of the first questions you ask is, how much is this going to cost me? How long is it going to take? When can you get out of here? These are reasonable questions to ask. But when it comes to uh, the vaccine and many other things that we'll be talking about in a moment, uh, people just 
turn off their brain. And that, that's what I'm, I'm bemoaning here. There's this turning off the brain, and you don't have to be a statistician. You don't have to even have a logical mind like you and I do. You just have to ask a basic question that everyone should ask. Okay, well, do I really have to worry about this? You know, at the same time, people, you know, I, I don't know, people take risks. Uh, they don't brush their teeth uh, one particular day. Does that mean they're going to get cavities uh, the very next moment? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, and, and, you know, and there's a perfect issue just like that facing us now. After the horrific shooting in Uvalde, Texas, they're now saying ban guns. Yeah. Well, what would you rather risk? An occasional massacre in a very large country or the risk that one day your government might be a total tyranny and you will have no recourse against it, just like right. Australia and New Zealand have shown us. Right. So since you, since you brought that up, uh, and it is definitely one of the topics uh, that we're discussing, we might as well drill down on that. So yes, that, that is a great example. Um, the amount, the first question people should ask is, okay, that's a the killing was, was horrible. Uh, every life is precious. Uh, but then the question is, okay, let's see some numbers around that. It turns out, at least for school shootings, uh, uh, there's been a total of 194, I think, since 1960 of these school shootings. And each one, of course, is precious. It's a disaster that it happened for anybody. It's, it's you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a parent who somehow says, oh, okay, that makes me feel better. Of course it doesn't. But nevertheless, in the larger perspective, you have to ask yourself, uh, okay, those numbers do not an epidemic make, right? It's, it's certainly hyped up by the media, but that doesn't mean that it's more than it is. Uh, likewise, um, these shootings, 94% uh, of shootings, of these mass murder things, not, not even school zone shootings, any sort of mass murder, 94% uh, of them happen in so-called gun-free zones. Okay, so that's a statistic you, you should take to the bank and say, right. okay, well, that, that, says that indicates right something off the to top, me. That says right off the top, the problem is the gun-free zone. And then yeah. another statistic is take all shootings, very few of them occur with AR-15 rifles. Most of them right. occur with right. small illegal handguns in a yep. place called Chicago and St. Louis yeah. and New Orleans and Houston <laughs> and LA and New York. So right. how is banning and the AR-15 going to help us uh, stop the vast majority of gun deaths at the hands of a criminal? Well, well there you go. That's exactly right. And then you, you also have to take into account that there have been so many people who, whose lives, lives have been saved by guns. Uh, and the prevention of guns and just the intimidation of, of people, you know, stopping people from even thinking about uh, engaging in anything when they see an armed security guard, for example. Yeah, so John Lott You can't wrote calculate that. that. You can't wait. Hold, yeah, hold John, on, Ari. John Lott, John Lott wrote that. You, uh, Ari, Ari, you, you can't. Hold on, Ari. You can't calculate that, right? That this, you know, some guys who want to rob a bank, let's say, or maybe, God forbid, shoot up a school. And they see two armed security guards like we had in the school that, you know, our kids went to that we both uh, had sent our kids to respectively. Um, and they would, you know, who knows, who knows how many lives we saved just for that, just by the presence of those those guns. And of course, no news story out of that. Right. So that's right. And, and most brandishing incidences where a, a good person brandishes a gun to stop a bad guy with a gun go unreported yeah. by police. And so John Lodge, who's an expert statistician on the gun issue, said that there are roughly 30,000 gun sh uh, incidents 
in the country per year. And that's the combined deaths of suicides, murders, everything. But including the unreported brandishing, there's about one and a half million incidences in which a good guy uses a gun to protect either themselves or someone else per year. So is that a a nine-fold instance, uh, nine-fold increase in good use versus bad? Yeah. Okay, so let's let's move on to other topics, but they're related, of course. Uh, This is the numbers affecting the killing of black men, uh, it's usually men, by white cops. And what does that mean? Well, first of all, um, it turns out that you have um, there's this great article in the uh, the Sun, and it was of the 700. And, and this was actually a uh, an article that suggested that there was some sort of uh, foul play by white cops, right? But but listen to the numbers. This is from the Sun. The numbers of blacks killed by white cops in all of 2021 um, was 765. Okay, that's all of 2021. And that uh, they, they get upset about because 28% of those of the 765 were black people, despite, as they say, compromising only 13% of the U.S. population. In other words, more than twice the number of blacks have been killed than are represented, than, than you would expect. You would expect only approximately uh, of those people, uh, you know, 13% instead of the 28%. Okay, but that's a problem because what they don't tell you is that, okay, well, uh, you know, the circumstances such as uh, whether they were armed, right? If, if a black man is armed and he gets into a confrontation or is, for whatever reason, uh, there's more crime associated with the black population, well, then, yeah, you're going to have more uh, confrontations with, with white police officers, or for that matter, any police officers, which is another thing they don't mention, that it's, <laughs> whether it's white cops or any kind of cop. And then finally, uh, the presumption is that they were killed by a white racist cop um, who is trying to kill somebody, a black man, because he was racist. But of course, this says nothing about how many whites were killed by cops during the same time period. You see how it works? It's really fascinating. So these are the numbers. In the meantime, of course, as you correctly pointed out, Ari, uh, there are uh, hundreds and hundreds, uh, if not thousands, of black-upon-black black, uh, crime happening in Chicago and other major cities, but particularly Chicago, as we, as we now know. Um, and the assumption is that it's all about racism. Right. They no never ever tells you in, in mainstream media circles how many black people are saved by white cops over the yes. years. That's a great example. So you're right. The numbers and, and there the that same they're, they're principle on that. holds true. And the same principle holds true to cars, not to change subjects, but just a quick analogy. They tell you, oh, my God, cars are so dangerous. 30,000 people a year are killed by cars. Right. But they didn't right. tell you how many millions of people per day get home safe in their car. Right. And not only that, but how cars save lives also. I mean, ambulances, for, one, for example, right. Fire trucks and police officers. OK, so. You know, going back to the point, um, and George Floyd, that, that trial, the assumption was throughout for the, for the you know, what it was, a year and a half before, um, uh, what's his name, the Chauvin guy was actually uh, convicted and then sentenced. Uh, the assumption was that Chauvin was uh, a racist, that he had done this because he was targeting George Floyd as a black man. And then it turns out at the trial that there's zero evidence of that. In fact, they didn't mention 
uh, blackness or racism once uh, in, during the entire trial. And so you would think that with all these riots, the BLM riots, Black Lives Matter, uh, and everything else, that at least there would be some sort of discussion about that. But the assumption, again, was that this was all based upon racism. And so the, the question that everyone should be asking is, to what degree is there really racism among white cops or any cops for that matter in the United States of America? And you, you, just, you just can't find it. It's just, it barely exists. It's, I'm, I'm not saying that there are zero cops who are racist, but uh, I am saying that they are, they are so few that it, it'd be, it's ridiculous to even contemplate as anything of serious consequence. And certainly not to de defund the police or to otherwise radicalize um, the police um, uh, departments and everything that they do for, for our great country. So I don't know. It's, uh, you know, people don't ask these questions. And because of it, uh, horrible things are happening. Ari. That's, that's my main point here. We have to ask basic questions that are not hard to ask. Uh, yeah, well, well, I think, and to my point earlier about political considerations, there's one other considerations, which is media considerations. What kind of stories get the media to get eyeballs glued onto screens? And do right, stories exactly about right. how great cops are and how many kittens are saved out of trees for little girls get people to watch the news? Or does the George Floyd video get people to right. watch the news? And exactly what happened with George Floyd. I saw a drug addict dying of a drug overdose. And it didn't matter whether the, whether the knee of the cop was on his neck or on the pavement. Wow. Wow. Right? And then I yeah. saw a jury convict him because that jury knew if we don't convict him, Black Lives Matter will murder us. Wow. You got, you got such a great point there. So, so what exactly it means, I think we as, as numbers people, as you call us, which is a great title that I will accept with honor, we just want to know what the hell's going on. Well, you got a great point there, Ari. Did he die? Is fentanyl as lethal as they say? And did he die of fentanyl or did he die of a knee? Well, these are the things that we, we don't know. I mean, the trial says... says and the jury said that the uh, knee on his neck was a substantial factor in his death. And that is sufficient for purposes of uh, evaluating murder. That's just the, right. the lawyer unless, and me speaking Unless, according to, and this can, and, and I think the, the reason he was convicted is two reasons. First of all, you had a jury that was scared, you know what, less. And the other yeah. reason is he had a really crappy lawyer. Because that lawyer did not bring up something I found way in the system, which was, the way Minneapolis cops are trained for such situations is to stabilize someone who's having a problem with a knee on the neck until the ambulance, ambulance arrives. Well, okay, so let's not get into that because the question is whether or not that was too long and all things considered. Yeah, and, and there's the all those other looking. things. But my point is, you know, once, once a guy poisons himself with fentanyl, well, <laughs> what exactly is going on here? And, and to your point about the, the number of blacks involved in police incidents, I said years ago, and you went, whoa, Ari, don't say that. So, of course, that means I have to say it again. Where, why don't they have a high school course that teaches black kids how to be arrested right? So that okay, when the cops so arrest you, you don't get into a fight with them and die. 
Well, it, it, it should be applied for every young uh, male. Right, especially. everyone. But if, if black people seem to be the ones who have a problem with being arrested with physical resistance, because a cop arrests me, I'm doing everything he asks. Yes, sir. Right. I mean, you, How yeah. soon, sir? <laughs> exactly. You you want to be cooperative. You want to be respectful. That's basic. Right. Chris a few Rock, hours hold, hold on, Ari. Hold on, Ari. Hold on, Ari. Hold on, Ari. Uh, let me just get through this. So Chris Rock had a fantastic uh, skit exactly on this point where he told uh, young blacks that, look, this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. And, he, and it was I mean, it was very funny the way he described it. You see this one kid, black kid, um, you know, being very respectful, saying, thank you, officer. I understand. Thank you very much. Um, and that's about it. And then the kid goes away and without much incident. And the other one, where they start yelling at the cops and you can just see the, the result of it. So anyway, but he, he, he's not denying that there's racism, but he says, look, if the cop is racist, then why would you give him fodder to beat you up? Right. So yeah, look, I, I want all right, all right, I want to move on. I want to move on to another topic. And that's because we, we do have limited time as always, but uh, the next one I want to talk about is the transgender numbers, right? Um, this, this is probably the biggest one in many ways from a, from a statistical point of view. You know, I, I go to the airport a lot. I travel a lot. And I thought, okay, well, today I'm going to have some fun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check, check out, kind of do a mental vision sweep of uh, the different kinds of people that I see in the airport, right? Because in an airport, you see thousands of people, people from all walks of life and maybe from different nations. And so... I thought, okay, well, I'll look at the classic uh, groupings. So I saw a whole bunch of black people. I saw a whole bunch of white people. I saw a lot of Hispanics. I saw short people. I saw tall people. I saw a lot of Asians um, and so on down the line. I saw people with brown hair. I saw people with red hair. You get the idea. You know what I didn't see, Ari? I didn't see a single single transgendered person, not one, right? Now, they may, may you think of themselves as transgendered were. on the inside. I get that. Barack, but that's not the same thing. Barack, I unfortunately have the best punchline ever then. Yes. Barack, you obviously weren't looking in the mirror. <laughs> okay, thank you for derailing this moment. <laughs> I'm right. not derailing you. Just joking. <laughs> oh, no, no, not at all. No, <laughs> Mr. Side Issue strikes again. Okay, so you see it's one person, not even one person. I'm, I'm not saying that there wasn't, but... Certainly not noticeable uh, in any way whatsoever. Now, we know the statistics. At least before it became fashionable to call yourself a transgendered person or identify as the opposite sex, whatever that means, because how can there be an opposite sex when you have 57 genders? But I digress. The point is, until it became fashionable, um, the numbers were basically one out of 35,000 people, which translates to something so small percentage-wise that I can't even calculate it. You know, immediately off the yeah, top of my head. AKA zero. Yeah, it's basically zero percent. Okay. And yet we're expected to turn our entire society around, and everyone has to now not make assumptions about somebody's gender and say, you know, and announce what his preferred pronouns are just because of the existence of this tiny fraction of people. Would we all agree? Would we all agree, my friends, that if there were zero people on this planet? Uh, who were transgendered, who had no confusion about who they were, would we all agree that we wouldn't need to go through this process of announcing the pronouns, right? Of course not. But because they claim that there are such people in, in vast numbers, not, not just one out of 35,000, 
Then all of a sudden we have to, they would, they would make you believe, they would have you believe that one out of every three people is, is transgendered or confused about his sexuality one way or the other, which is absurd. It's, it's nowhere close That's to right. that. And if you give the other two enough uh, modern public school education, they'll get confused <laughs> yes. too. Yes, yes. So, so that's the point. And people don't even bother to think. And I, I think this is where they, they are most derelict in their duty to just, you know, turn their brain on for a moment and say, how many people are in fact transgendered? Not, you know, not the fashionable kind of transgendered uh, kind of person who decides to do it for attention, which I think, you know, is the vast majority at this point. But in the olden days, say uh, 2019 or earlier, the one out of 35,000 people. How many people? And I just gave the answer, of course. But if that's the case, then why are we turning our whole society around, please, again? Uh, I, I don't understand it. And if, if that's the case, then why aren't we turning ourselves around for colorblind people who are really suffering out there uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, who really have some issues with, with color when it comes to color, likewise with left-handed people, likewise with blind people, likewise with deaf people, and so forth. There are a hell of a lot more blind people than there are transgender people. Yeah, but right? there's an interesting anomaly to the transgender that it seems to just be so convenient to our uh, political uh, uh, adversaries, which is to accommodate the transgendered. Well, to accommodate the blind, you put in some Braille and some bumps in the sidewalk, right? Right. To accommodate the transgendered, you massacre the English language. Yes, I, exactly right. But, but to... To, to make it a, a pure equivalence between blind people on the one hand and transgendered on the other, uh, they would go about saying, oh, are you a seeing person, sir? Even though clearly I'm seeing, I, I, you know, I'm walking around, I don't have a cane, I don't have a dog, I don't, I'm not wearing the, the sunglasses, right? I, you know, and then they say, well, are, are you a seeing person? I, I, I don't want to assume that you're a seeing person, sir. Uh, you know, that, that's where we are. And the question is, and this that is not really the main... Challenged. <laughs> yeah, the question is not, and this is not really the main thrust of this podcast, but, you know, why is it that we are willing to turn our society around when it comes to the transgendered, but not when it comes to the blind, the deaf, the colorblind, and um, uh, the left-handed? Left why? Yeah. The reason why is because it deals with sexuality. And sexuality is a great way to destroy society. That's why. All right? But that's, that's a topic for another podcast. I want to get through um, just a couple more things uh, when it comes to these numbers, because numbers are, are very important. We talked, I talked, I touched briefly upon the, the riots, right, of 2020. And it, it drove me nuts when so many of my friends tell me, well, the, the riots were, the protests rather, were mostly peaceful. And you're wrong to call them riots in the first place. Like suddenly these people are very reasonable and they're very calculating about their language. Suddenly they, they, they want to see everything in perspective, right? Never mind that they don't see anything in perspective regarding anything else. But now when it comes to the BLM, which, you know, some, somehow these people are holy, uh, then, then they get a pass because they're mostly peaceful. Never mind the fact that, you know, these mostly peaceful riots rampaged through my part of town in Santa Monica. Thank you very much. And they didn't look mostly peaceful to me, okay? Especially the ones who were taking pictures of my house uh, because I had an American flag hanging out of it. Um, they didn't seem very peaceful in the process, and they kind of pointed to it like, you're next, buddy. Great. That felt really mostly peaceful to me. But these are, these are numbers, you know, that they're, I, I, I don't know if they're afraid of numbers. No, they want to hide their, they don't want to talk numbers ever. They're just not interested. It's like, the, it's like the real estate broker, if you have to ask, 
then you can't afford it, right? One of those things. And they will focus on this mostly peaceful language and you're, you're going to have to play by their game. Uh, never mind, of course, that everything else they don't care at all about mostly. The word mostly doesn't apply when it comes to white cops. You know, they, they, the notion that most of the white cops are very law-abiding uh, and very good police officers and always want to respect everyone and are not racist, mostly, right? But I, in fact, so mostly, I would dare to say that 99.999% of those cops are exactly the kind of cops we would want a cop to be. But everything else gets thrown out the window because one bad cop, two bad cops, and even, even the uh, George Floyd cop, what's his name, Chauvin, he wasn't racist. I mean, he, he was stupid in the way he handled the process, but there was no racism afoot there, nothing. But they just run with it. They don't care to, to hear the numbers. They don't ever want to hear the numbers because if they did, then they might change their mind. So that's the first thing they do is they tell you things are systemic. It's in the system and there's nothing you can do about it. But they, not once did they ever say, here are the numbers, and let, let us explain to you why it's systemic. If it was systemic, then it would be, I don't know, uh, you would expect 500,000, maybe 5 million uh, black uh, individuals, innocent black uh, individuals being shot by white cops only, who are out to get them somehow. But you don't have those numbers. And that's the curse, I think, that you and I have, Ari. We're a little bit like uh, Cassandra from the Greek mythology, right? What was she cursed with? She was cursed with knowing the future and not being able to do anything about it, right? And in a way, we're like Cassandra. We, we have this curse of always asking ourselves the question, what numbers are we talking about? Is this a real concern? Like the asteroid that we talked about before, Ari, when, you know, if I step out, am I, am I really going to get hit by an asteroid? Is that a serious risk? But I, I can tell you that if it were the case that somehow, uh, you know, that MSNBC and CNN started talking to us about falling debris from space, and, and there's nothing new, of course. It's not as if it's a new comment. They just talk about it. They just, they just decided to focus on that. I guarantee you that there would be thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of Americans suddenly looking up at the sky every time they, they walked outside of their homes, just so long as CNN and, and MSNBC pick it up and talk about it. Right. That's right. And as long as yeah. Bill Gates tells them there's a vaccine for it. And as long as <laughs> yeah, exactly right. there's a mask, the mask will protect the asteroid and the asteroid's mask will protect them. Yes. All right. So I told you about the uh, the four G's. That's uh, my favorite thing to talk about the four G's because it's so easy to remember. Gambling, guns, girls and God. Right. So the girls we kind of spoke about already. You're like, what? I mean, but I can also speak, kind of generally speaking, this, this notion that somehow women are suffering from an economic point of view, uh, that they're getting paid less, uh, that they're not represented somehow. Okay, well, then let's see the numbers for that, please. Okay, but, oh, what's that you say? You say that women are actually doing better than men in almost every department possible and are, are thriving and they're living longer and there are far fewer suicides and uh, and they're, they're far more represented in universities and companies now than ever. In fact, they're the majority. Oh, okay, well, that doesn't matter because they say so. They say constantly that men are suppressing them somehow and that they would get ahead if only they were not a woman, as, if only they had something between their legs you know, that was not a vagina, right? That, then they would move forward with their lives somehow. 
but no one asks the question, are, are they in fact doing worse? When in fact, the numbers reveal very clearly that women are doing better, far better than men are. Far and, far, and girls are outpacing boys in school and otherwise they call it the boy problem, right? And the war on boys. But yeah, that doesn't and there's, there, there, it's funny you, you say this because everything they say about war on women, you could, I, I think you're probably going to go here. So I, I apologize if I'm stealing your thunder on it, That's but right. um, you can apply that same thing to God. Where is God represented in the workplace? Yes. Where is God represented in the classroom? Where is God getting less than 75 cents on the dollar compared to a woman <laughs> or a man? Right. And latest statistic from a Gallup poll, belief in God among U.S. adults dips to new all-time low. Yeah, it, it, is, like it is sad. Any and, affirmative and, action needed, God needs it right now. Well, yes, I, I wasn't quite going to go there, but I do like the way you analyzed that. I thought you were going to go into talking about how we could use the same language that women are used about themselves, we can use it for men, how men are being suppressed, how men are being uh, marginalized. And oh, absolutely. Right but, but men have a, white men have a good compared to God right now. I mean, you know. <laughs> all right, well, let's, let's go to God for a second. And let me, let me say what I'm saying about that. Uh, the statistics are bizarre when it comes to the, the God question. It is, it is so clear that if you teach God in schools, if you bring God into the center of your life, then great things start flowing from that, including the lack of criminality, the lack of drugs, uh, the lack of suicides, the, the, the lack, lack of um, drug use, and so on. It, it goes on and on how positive the encouragement of God in as a center of your civilization is. But no, no, no. When you talk to people about God and how important God is, they say, well, you know, I've heard about the Inquisition, I've heard about the Crusades, and there's some witch-burning thing going on there. And then, of course, the priest molestation scandals. Well, therefore, I get to dismiss God altogether. Yeah, as right? if God did those things. They're not bad people. Bad people, by the way, mostly hundreds of years ago. Exactly right. So, but, but this and, is the And the other logic. thing that you're getting to is an analogy to the Enough is Enough campaigns regarding guns. Why aren't we going, and I don't mean you and I, because we do this, but why isn't there a broad enough is enough campaign. We need to put God back in the classroom. We need to be put God back in the workplace. We need right. to put God back in society. Enough is enough people, enough murder, yeah. enough drug use, enough, enough vagrancy. So let me, let me put it this way because it's, it's so important. They, they talk about God the same way that they're now talking about police, right? There's one guy who did some schmucky thing uh, which might have even been racist. Right, and, and then all cops are bastards. All cops are bad. It's, it's a, uh, you know, this is exactly the way they, they look at it. And then conversely, you know, there's only a couple of transgender people, and now we, ne we need to uh, change our entire society around them. You see, you see how it is. It's, a, it's really identical. Now, I talked, I'm going to go to the next one, because we already talked about guns significantly. So the next one, the, four, the last of the four Gs is gambling. Uh, and why do I bring up gambling? Because gambling is, is the ultimate in numbers when you think about it, right? When you go into a casino, you should ask yourself, what are the odds that I'm going to come out of this casino with more money than I came in with? Or, right? Am I going right. to have more money or less money? And the odds are overwhelming that you will come out with less money, right? I mean, you might have a push and, and have exactly the same amount of money, but that's not likely. And it's certainly <laughs> far less likely that you'll come out with more money. And the longer you stay in a gambling casino, 
the more likely what I said will, will, will come true. And, and that is all about numbers. And this is the reason why I don't like gambling. I have no interest in gambling. I, I don't like the whole notion of it because I don't feel like I'm earning anything. I like to earn my money. If some money falls from the sky from me, okay, that's, that's great. But I don't feel good about it. I like to, I like to earn it. And that makes sense to me. I, I work hard. I get money back for it. But I throw my money away, hoping that some money, more money will come back than, than what I put in. Uh, that, that never made any sense to me. But I also look around in these gambling casinos, uh, of course, Las Vegas, Monte Carlo, and so on. And these are beautiful, opulent buildings that never go bankrupt. In fact, if anything, they plow more money into it to become even more beautiful with more swing pools, with more rides, with more entertainment. And you have to ask yourself, how is it that these people make so much money? Why are they so confident? Because they know that the odds are always in their favor. Right. And how is will- it that they have a bar in there and they don't sell a single drink and they don't lose money? <laughs> right. And, and when, when you get comped uh, with a big fancy room in a Las, Las Vegas hotel, that means that they see you as a sucker. Right. Because whatever they're comping, whatever they're not getting in terms of for, for that room is peanuts compared to what you are apparently spending uh, on them. So you're, you're paying for it. You think you're getting comp, but you're not. You're paying for it. And, and they know that you're just a loser on this. I'm sorry for my gambling friends out there, but you do need to ask the questions. And, th- and that's the reason why I, I end on this note, because gambling is the ultimate numbers game, isn't it? Right? It's the decision about numbers. And everything we've been talking about, to some extent, is involving some sort of risk taking. Is, does the risk make sense? What are the consequences if you don't take that risk or if you do that, take that risk, whether that's the vaccine, whether that's your worry about contracting COVID in the first place, uh, how you view COVID and the likely uh, scenario that might result from it in terms of the 2 million dead versus the um, 100,000 or so that, that happened around the same time that they predicted the 2 million. All those things, transgendered, of course, the way you view the, the world depends on you rationally looking at the numbers and to ask yourself simple questions. We live in the age of, of, uh, of information, right? I mean, Google's is just a couple of uh, taps away. You can ask yourself the question, all right, how many times have we found our answers simply by looking through Google, right? The, the transgender issue, for example, we tapped it um, uh, on the internet, you know, while we were doing a podcast, I think, and we discovered that it was one out of 35,000. And that number was consistent. I, I checked it out. Uh, thoroughly. And, uh, you know, it it just didn't make any sense anymore. Once we, once we realized that it made no sense that the world was turning itself upside down uh, and tripping itself, tripping, um, what is it? Tripping upon itself to satisfy the the so-called mass transgendered population out there. It was absurd. So COVID, the vaccines, transgenderism, uh, black, uh, sorry, white cops killing you know, racist white cops killing innocent, unarmed black men, all these things and so much more. You have to just ask yourself, is that so? Does that make sense? Because if you don't ask these questions, you will be manipulated time and time again by the, by a media and a government that just kind of dangles you by the nose because they tell you, don't look at the numbers. Don't look over there. We got this. Just believe what we tell you. And that, my friend, is an unacceptable way of moving about life. 
uh, you'll feel safer. You'll feel more in control of your life at the same time. And yeah, if you have God in your life, it'll help you see that, all of that. All right, folks. Well, thanks so much for listening. All right, thanks so much for being today with us. And we will talk to you next week. 